This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Talking about that London terror attack, it's put the uh, issue of jihadi terror back in the spotlight. Uh, and we've certainly learned a lot in the aftermath about the attacker, Usman Khan, who had been released from jail a year earlier after being jailed for his part in a 2010 terror plot. And while in jail, you know, this guy inquired about de-radicalization courses. You know, he explained his crime was about his mind frame at the time. He no longer feels that way because he realized in his, I guess, quest for bettering himself that it wasn't in keeping with Islam. But that was clearly just an excuse or he was just never de-radicalized because he carried out his mission on Friday. And this guy was released, as we learned, from jail far sooner than his sentence ended. And it doesn't appear there was any actual real parole process. So now the U.K. is launching a major review of every convicted terrorist, which is 70. they got to find out where they are, where they've gone, and what their status is. And it's something we should be looking at here because we got a lot of jihadi fighters over in uh, Syria right now, and they want to come back. And the government's not really being very transparent about what their plan is for them. And when they do come back, we don't get told where they've gone. Christian Luprecht is a professor at the Royal Military College of Canada, also Queen's University, and Matthew Flinders Fellow at the Flinders University of South Australia. Hello there, Christian. Hello. So five of these uh, men, colleagues, I guess, were released from jail. I mean, the UK is dealing with all of these people. Now another five were released, I guess, for plotting mass attacks on cops and military targets. You've got the guy on Friday who was released before he should have been out. I I get the sense that the UK, just like Canada, has no real uh, plan or strategy to deal with uh, returning jihadi or jihadists in the long term. Well, or that the strategy and plan that they have is perhaps the... Uh, based on outdated benchmarks. Of course, the UK has lots of experience with terrorism going back to the Irish Republican Army um, and incarcerating and, uh, individuals. But the recidivism in these particular cases suggests that um, probably a combination of the benchmarks being used, uh, the overcrowding of jails that uh, most Western countries are having to cope with, um, and justice systems that in doubt um, seem to err on the side of lenience uh, towards the uh, the offender, uh, especially if that offender has proven themselves um, under good behavior, uh, that that combination uh, seems to be certainly a, a systemic challenge in the UK system. I don't think it's just a UK problem, though, because in Canada, as you well know, there are um, you know a lot of growing pressure to get jihadists uh, back to Canada because they can't be watched in these Syrian jails anymore. And we have a government that's not transparent about what they are doing, how they're coming back, or what they're doing as far as a plan at all. Yeah, so I've actually published on the issue of radicalization in Canadian jails. And we don't, at least so far, appear to have a challenge with recidivism. Um, And we also don't appear to have a challenge with uh, radicalization in jail, because one of the challenges once you put these guys in jail and you put them in with the general prisoner population, uh, does it become like prison university where where they teach everyone else sort of about their ideological leanings? But as you rightly point out, uh, I think, as I've long criticized, we don't have a strategy in this country for, uh, for instance, returnees uh, that uh, whether we prosecute them and then once we prosecute them, Uh, what sort of programs we need to have in place for them and how do we ensure that those individuals uh, don't become uh, become recidivists. So I would say that the bigger challenge in Canada is we have a serious challenge in uh, 
actually bringing people to justice and having dozens of people who've already returned to this country living with impunity, who've committed uh, serious uh, criminal offenses, uh, which if committed in Canada would have landed them in jail. So in Canada, I would say we might want to focus on how do we actually make sure we bring people to justice, um, and then we can focus on uh, on what we make sure that we don't have problems with, uh, with terrorist recidivism. Yeah, that's a tall order in this country, but the UK, uh, there was a report back in 2016 warning that Islamist extremism, extremism was a growing problem within the prisons. As a Five Eye partner, would there be conversations going on with this latest attack, given the fact that the UK is now kind of opening up their files and saying, okay, we've got to figure out who's out, who's where, who's still incarcerated, and who's going to be paroled. Would those kinds of conversations be happening at the international level? Uh, sure. So, I mean, so uh, prison authorities, there is a systematic exchange of lessons learned, uh, not just among five vice prison authorities, but uh, but among a broader subset of uh, over a dozen countries that meet and, uh, and, and try to exchange experiences. The problem is that different countries take very different approaches to national security offenders. And so um, the different experiences are not necessarily comparable. Uh, the, but but what is being done more, much more systematically is also trying to exchange intelligence uh, on the offenders and who they're in touch with, because often it is sort of similar networks with which they end up associating. Um, but clearly we need to learn a lot more about what data points we need to use in terms of assessing potential risk uh, that emanates from individuals uh, who have been incarcerated. And it shouldn't come as a surprise that some individuals re-offend. I mean, we have about a one-third uh, recidivism rate in general when it comes to uh, to, to sort of different types of, uh, of violent crime. Um, and so that some of these individuals um, cannot be rehabilitated or not to the extent that we would uh, we would appear to try to convince ourselves that uh, our system is able to um, should make us consider that sooner or later um, the experience that the UK has just had is likely also an experience that uh, Canada is likely to have. But the numbers uh, of incarcerated national security offenders is disproportionately small in Canada. That also makes sense given mm. that uh, we have about half the population. Right. But the Toronto 18, a lot of those who uh, were convicted and certainly uh, put into the system, a lot of them would be getting out right about now. That's uh, the timeline for that makes sense a few years later. So do we have any status on any of them? Uh, so all these individuals are already out, uh, whether they've served entirely their entire sentence or they are out on parole. Uh, so certainly that would be a great case study for us to have a conversation um, about uh, either what went right in terms of making sure that people are effectively rehabilitated uh, or potential risks that individuals uh, might pose, not just in terms of themselves uh, reoffending, mm-hmm. uh, but potentially sharing um, basic incitement to violence uh, for others who might then offend and who might appear to be sort of first-time offenders, but in reality they were uh, egged on by uh, uh, by people who never quite gave up their ideology. And look, if you're incarcerated in prison, what are you going to tell the parole board? Of mm. course you've entirely reformed, and of course you don't believe any of the things that you believed before, because you want to get out. Um, and it's very difficult to gauge to what extent people have genuinely changed their mind, and to what extent 
they're just feeding us the line that the parole board wants to hear so that they can uh, they no longer have to serve their sentence. Yeah, and certainly uh, there wouldn't be anybody probably watching any of those people from Toronto 18 because we simply don't have the resources in this country uh, to do so. So uh, you're right, it would be an interesting case study, but it's it, the worry is we have to learn after the fact. The challenge is also these are very different offenders than many of the offenders that we generally find in prison populations. They tend to have high levels of education. They tend to be on better behavior in prison uh, generally. Uh, they tend to not exercise the sort of challenges that we often have with substance abuse and uh, mental health challenges uh, that we find in the general prisoner population. When they have mental health challenges, they tend to be different somewhat from the general prisoner population. So the problem that prison authorities also have is it's not clear to what extent they can take the large experience of the broader data set of the prison population Mm -hmm. in general and transfer that to national security offenders. Yeah, it's fascinating. Christian, thank you. Appreciate your time. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That is uh, Christian Loprec, professor over at the Royal Military College of Canada and Queen's University. Again, the Toronto 18, I covered that case. It's hard to believe that a lot of them are getting out right now or already are out right now. I didn't realize it was all of them. But who's watching them? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.